Welcome to episode number 215. In today's episode, I'm going to be giving you my tips and tricks to still get a from scratch, completely homemade meal on the table when you're really busy. Now, these are tips that you especially want to put into play for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but truthfully, I use these all year round. Let me officially welcome you to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, best-selling author of three books, The Made From Scratch Life, Handmade, and my newest book available for pre-order, The Family Garden Plan. This is where we talk about living homegrown and handmade, using modern homesteading to raise, preserve, and cook your own organic food no matter where you live. And I am so glad that you are here with me today. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, you are like, girl, you are pulling a switcheroo because you said you were going to be talking about the meat cuts to call into the butcher when you are getting a whole half or quarter of a cow. Well, I did say that. And that episode is now coming out on Friday as episode number 216. So you just got to hold your horses for a couple of days and you're going to be getting that episode. But typically our Wednesday episodes are considered shorter episodes where Fridays are a little bit longer episodes, either with me or where we do interviews, which naturally run a little bit longer. And if you were following me on Facebook or Instagram, you know that last week I was out of state, actually went to the East Coast and was traveling for over five days, which was amazing. It was very nice to be in a very warm Southern state compared to the cold weather at home for a short period of time. But because I was on traveling and work, it was a work trip. When I came home, I realized we are getting close to Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I needed to do these steps within my own kitchen, and I thought, I need to share these with you guys so that you can look at your upcoming schedule and plan to do these items too, so that you can have a much less stressful day and still have delicious homemade from scratch food on the table. So we're kind of like inserting this episode. And then on Friday, I promise I will give you that full beef one. As we come into the holidays, one of the things that we always have to have, and I think this is true, I would say for most homes is pies. Now there's all different kinds of pies. And some people are hardcore for pumpkin pie, apple pie, fruit pies, chocolate pies, cream pies, but you name it, usually some type of pie is going to be served during the holidays. And we need our pie crust to be very chilled before we begin to work with it and to roll it out. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, if it's chilled, it is easier to work with. It's easier to roll out. It doesn't stick. But the really big reason that we want our pie crust to be chilled is so that the fat source that we use creates those nice flaky layers. And if the fat begins to melt before it hits the oven, then it's not able to create those little little tiny pockets, which actually helps to create those flaky layers. 
So there's multiple reasons why when you're making pie crust, uh, pie dough, that you want to make sure that your fat source, when you're working it into the flour, is very cold. And then you let the dough chill before you work it again. Now, there's some definite other tips and tricks into creating a flaky, easy to roll out, but melt in your mouth, perfect texture pie crust. It has to do within the way that you actually form the dough so that it does create the layers and how you're cutting in the fat to the flour in the beginning and how much liquid you should be using. But everything being cold is definitely the a very big factor. Now, if you've never made homemade pie crust before or you've made homemade pie crust, but you're like, mine never rolls out right or it's never that quite that flaky, like awesome texture, then I have got a resource for you. You are going to want to make sure that you go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 215 because this is episode number 215. So just the, the number 215, number two, number one, number five. Go to the resource section of this podcast episode in that blog post, which is where that link will take you. And I have my great grandmother's flaky pie crust recipe, along with the tips to help you troubleshoot. I also have a video that walks you through the way to make pie crust. And I am not exaggerating. I kid you not. Everybody who tries this pie crust recipe, I have even had people make it with gluten-free flour and it still turns out fantastic. Now, I personally have not tested it yet with gluten-free flour, but I have made it with fresh ground flour, whole wheat flour, pastry flour, regular all-purpose flour, and it never fails. It's got a couple of kind of secret old-fashioned ingredients in it that you don't typically see in a lot of pie crust, and that definitely helps. But also knowing exactly the steps to take when you're working with pie crust to ensure that you get those flaky layers. And I kind of outlined some of them, but you're going to want to go and get that recipe. But I kid you not, I have had women in their 60s who have made homemade pies. I mean, they're experienced cooks and bakers, but have always struggled with pie crust. I have had them text me. Yes, text me on Thanksgiving Day to tell me that that pie crust recipe was amazing, that they have never had pie crust turn out that wonderful and be that easy to work with and to thank me so much for sharing the recipe. And though I've shared the recipe, like I said, it's actually my great grandma's who was like a renowned pie baker. So I can't really take all the credit. I've just been lucky enough to have the recipe in my life. But the whole reason that I started talking about pie crust and chilling and went off on that little tangent there is because make your pie crusts up now. Really, the pie crust and making sure that they're chilled is one of the most uh, laborious parts of baking and making all of your pies for a big dinner or a big holiday event. And pie crust, because we need it to chill anyways, is an excellent candidate to make up now. And I double or triple it. So I am making the recipe when you go and get it makes four pie crust. So if you're doing a top and a bottom crust, you're going to get two nine inch pies out of it. If you're just doing like, like I said, cream pies don't have a top, then you're going to get four. So just so you know, that's what the recipe makes. So what I do is I will usually double it this year. I'm going to be tripling it because my daughter is doing a bake sale as a fundraiser for her basketball team for her. Um, it's not school sponsored, but it it's 
through, <laughs> that sounds funny. It's not school sponsored, but it's through her school. I should say that the school doesn't sponsor it, but it's for the girls in her grade at her school do the basketball team and they have to pay to be in a league because we don't have a school sponsored one. So we have to do our own. But we are doing pre-order pies and a bake sale the day before Thanksgiving. So not only do I have my regular baking to do because I always bring the pies to our Thanksgiving meal, both with my husband's side of the family, and then we do dessert at my parents' house and I bring the pies to both of those. But I have to bake all of the pies that are going to be pre-ordered and delivered to people as part of this fundraiser the day before Thanksgiving. So I have got a ton of pie baking to do, way more than normal. So I'm going to at least double or triple this so that I can get a head start on my pie crust. But do that and you make them up and then you divvy them out, obviously, into you're going to take the recipe and divide it. If you double it, you're going to get eight crusts and freeze it. Freeze it ahead of time. It thaws out amazing. And there's a couple of different ways that you can freeze it. Probably the easiest, provided that you have enough pie plates is to roll out your bottom crust, put it in your pie plate, crimp the edges, and then pop it in the freezer. It will freeze solid. Just check it after a few hours. But once it's totally frozen, then you just lift it up out of that pie plate. So then you can reuse your pie plate and it's not stuck in the freezer the whole time. And then I will just take those frozen pie shells And stack them up and you can put them in like a freezer bag or a freezer container, whatever you use in your freezer. And because they're frozen solid, they won't lose their shape. And then on the day of baking, take it out of the freezer while it's still frozen for your bottom. Put it in the same pie plate. It's going to fit perfect because you it froze in this pie plate. It hasn't changed shape. Put in your filling and then it depends on the top crust that you're doing and just bake it with the pie pastry dough in its frozen state. That is super fast. So if you're doing like a, um, you know, like a crumb topping, then it's really easy. You just put your filling in there, your fruit filling and do a crumb topping. But if you want to do a regular double pie, so that works extremely well for pumpkin pie and for cream pies. But if you're doing something like I always do apple pie, um, blackberry pie is another one that I'm doing. So if you live in my area (laughs) and you want a pie from me as part of the fundraiser to serve on Thanksgiving Day, um, then you need to get a hold of me and have your pre-order in by Sunday night. <laughs> Just so you know, the Sunday, the Sunday night, I should say before Thanksgiving. So I make sure I've got enough crusts up. But if you're doing a fruit pie, I still do the bottom crust the exact same way as I just shared with you. But for the tops, what you can do is you can just put them into a ball if you want and freeze that dough ball solidly. It's going to be the top crust. So that's option one, probably the fastest and the easiest on the day of of when you're prepping and making all of this pie crust up ahead of time. But another option that you can do is to take uh, wax paper. And roll that top crust out, you know, so that it's going to cover completely the top part of your pie. And then after it's rolled out thin, then it's on this freezer paper and or parchment paper. And then you roll it up. So think like a cinnamon roller, like a sleeping bag, right? You roll it up and then you freeze it like that. So the benefit to doing that is because the dough is obviously rolled out. So it's much thinner. When you pull it out of the freezer, one, you don't need to re-roll it. You don't have to roll it if you're really busy on baking day. You just need to let it thaw enough in the fridge and let it thaw out so that it's not frozen so that you can unroll it and pop it right on top of your of your pie. 
So you would just pull the crusts out earlier, like in the morning and put them in the fridge or the night before, depending on what time of day you're baking on your baking day. So then it's ready to go, but it's still chilled in the fridge. It's not just thawing on the counter. And then you just pop out of the freezer, the frozen bottom pie crust, put your filling in, then just put that top crust right on and away you go really quick, fast. If you've done it into the dough ball, and so the day you were prepping and freezing, same thing. Now, the dough balls, I will let freeze on, excuse me, they are frozen. I will let them freeze, but I will thaw them out on the counter so that they thaw quicker, but still are chilled. Um, I found about two hours on the counter. Usually they are thawed enough that I can roll them out but without having them be completely room temperature, because then again, you're not going to have that flaky top crust and we want the flaky top crust as well. Or you can just put them in the fridge um, about, you know, eight to 12 hours ahead of time and they'll thaw it out enough for you, maybe even faster. uh, But that just gives you plenty of buffer so that they are thawed out enough for you to roll uh, when you're ready to go and do your baking. Now, this works especially well, like I shared at the holidays, But I will do this even throughout the year. I almost always have pie crusts ready to go like that in the freezer. And it's not just for dessert. So that's what we're typically thinking of when we're talking about holiday prep right now. But of course, you can use them for your pot pies and your quiches and all of those things like that. So I will have them ready to go to use for dinner as well or breakfast, either or there as well. And this is something that I do whole year round. And I do this with our cookie dough. This works. It works with like chocolate chip cookies. It works especially well with sugar cookie dough. Because again, anytime we're rolling out a dough and then we're going to be cutting it out for in, in the instance if we're doing sugar cookies, but any type of dough that needs to be rolled out, typically we are chilling it. So this works especially well when you are doing something like a sugar cookie. And as we get closer and closer to Christmas, I have less and less time. Can I get an amen? Does anybody else feel like that? So I will make up the sugar cookie dough and freeze it. And then that way on like a Sunday afternoon, if we've got some time, we're come home from church and I don't have to have the time of mixing up and then waiting for that dough to chill. And I can just know that the dough's ready to go. I can throw it in the fridge to let it thaw out. And usually I'll just, the sugar cookie dough, usually it will thaw out within just a few hours. So if I know like, okay, I've got time Sunday. So Sunday morning, I'll just throw the dough in the fridge. Or if I know I'm going to get to it sometime that weekend, I'll throw the dough in the fridge from like on a Friday evening and know, okay, Saturday or Sunday, we're going to be baking and making our sugar cookies. So I will definitely do that. And then when I'm doing chocolate chip, so if you've got my book handmade, you have both my grandmother's old-fashioned sugar cookie recipe. My great-grandma's actually. And then you also have my chocolate chip cookie dough recipe. So go and get both those bad boys. Make up your sugar cookie dough and have it ready to go. Not only does it make fabulous sugar cookies, that sugar cookie dough, but if you roll it out and line the bottom of a 9 by 13 pan and bake it, then top it with whatever you want. And it makes like a cookie bar. So a fun way to do that, I even do this in the in the spring and in the summer months to take advantage of our fruit harvest, is I will do that. And then I'll mix up some cream cheese, usually with a little bit of whipping cream, maybe and just a hint of sweetener. And then spread that on top of the cooked but cooled sugar cookie dough in like a nine by 13 pan. Or you could do it like on a, a big pizza pan if you wanted to, or baking stone. 
and then simply take whatever fresh fruit that we've got and sprinkle that on top. And then if you want to, you can like sprinkle a little bit of cocoa powder or if you want to get really fancy, you could do some chocolate shavings or even, you know, like a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg, like whatever is going to complement the fruit that you have. Now with raspberries, I like to do a little bit of chocolate. If I'm doing blueberries, I like a little bit of cinnamon, maybe a little bit of nutmeg. So I kind of change it up. But then you just cut it into bars and it makes a super delicious and easy dessert when you need to serve a lot of people or you're in a hurry and you don't have time to prep as much. Now, with the chocolate chip cookies, because our house pretty much always has chocolate chip cookies in it. It's my kids' favorite. It's my husband's favorite. And I like them too, but I definitely do not eat cookies every day. Um, I don't have dessert every night. So I don't indulge in them as much as they do. But I will make up a batch of that and I will bake about half of it so that we've got the fresh cookies ready to go a couple of sheets worth and put them in the cookie jar. Then the other half of the dough with with the chocolate chip cookie recipe, I will form into a log and freeze it. And then when there's a night that we need dessert or I need to have some baking, but I didn't have time to make the dough and I'm busy, I take it out and I only I don't even really let it thaw. I mean, maybe let it thaw on the counter for like 10 minutes and then just take a sharp knife and slice it into your the thickness that you would want of your cookies. So usually, oh, goodness, I don't know, like a quarter to a half an inch. I usually eyeball it. I don't know that I've ever actually measured it, but slice it put them down, and then you bake them from the frozen state and you will be able to cut through them with a sharp knife. And just extend the baking time. Usually um, it's at 370 degrees Fahrenheit for this chocolate chip cookie recipe. You bake them for eight to 10 minutes, depending upon your oven. I like mine a little bit on the softer side. So I usually pull them out at about eight minutes, let them sit on the hot cookie sheet for an additional two minutes, then remove them and let them cool. And then they're like perfect texture. But when you're cooking them from the frozen state, you just usually need to increase it by about two minutes. And you'll be able to tell by looking at them. You just want them to start to barely startly get lightly, just like lightly brown and just set in the center. And then you're going to pull them off. Usually it's just an increased time of about two minutes. And most of my pie baking, when it comes to the big day where the oven has already got usually your main meats in there and it's got sides and it's got a lot of things that it needs to be cooking, I will usually bake my pies the day before. And then if you want to, you can just pop them in the oven. Now, if it's obviously a cream filled pie, like a chocolate pie, chocolate meringue is one of my favorites. That pie recipe is in the book Handmade (laughs) 2. Like I pull out my own book, kid you not guys, and go cooking from it. When it comes, all my favorite recipes that we use are in there. But I will bake the cream pies because you have to pre-bake your pie shell on some of them depending on if it's totally whipped or not the the chocolate pie as well you pre-bake your pie shell and then you're going to be putting your filling in there and then if you're doing meringue then you are going to be baking it for a, a short period of time to get your meringue to set but i do all of those pies that need to be chilled or taste well chilled i bake those all the day ahead and then like any toppings that need to go on like your whipped cream or that type of thing then we'll obviously do the morning of or right before serving. But that way I feel like I've got dessert done and I don't have to worry about it. And I can focus on the other main parts of the meal that need to be done right then and there. Now, one of the other prep things is I have canned up all of my pie fillings. So they're ready to go on the pantry shelf. So I don't have to worry about 
thawing out any frozen berry pie filling if you froze it. And I don't have to pay the fruit prices now when they seem to go at a premium and go up. And I don't have to have any prep work like it's all done. I just simply pop open the jar, dump it in, bake, and we are set. No peeling the apples. Like all of that has been done ahead of time. So if you didn't do that yet, next summer, I will walk you through. I've got recipes on the blog that showing you how to can fruit pie filling as well as inside my full canning course. Like you put a note to yourself next summer when fruit's on, I am canning up a pie filling so my life is not crazy during the holidays. Okay. One more quick tip that I do because we do homemade rolls from scratch as well. So this you can do with cinnamon rolls, especially if you want to have them fresh and warm that morning for breakfast, is make up your dough the night before. And so you make it up and then you let it go through the first rise. So this is true like if you're doing your rolls. And then after you have went through the first rise, then you're going to form your rolls into whatever form you're going to be needing to do them in and then put them in the fridge. So this slows down the rising process. It doesn't kill the yeast, but it puts it into dormancy when it's into the fridge. And then in the morning, you pull them out. So this works really well with yeast rolls, which is what we're talking about right now, especially with cinnamon rolls. But you pull them out and then you preheat your oven and then you put them in and then they will rise up. So I never try to make cinnamon rolls or sticky buns or anything like that the morning of. Make your dough up the night before, put it in the fridge, and then in the morning, pull it out and you're good to go. Now, like with dinner rolls, you've got a couple of options. Usually I make, because I've done all of my dessert and prep work the days ahead of time, or it's all just super fast for me to just, it's just cook time. Usually I'll make up my rolls the morning of, and so that they are nice and warm, because there's something about bread products when they're warm out of the oven. Um, and, and I can pull them out right at dinner, right when we're getting ready to eat, which is going to vary on if I have to travel with the rolls or if people are coming to our house in the time of the meal. But bread products freeze very well. So you can make up your rolls, bake them ahead of time, and then freeze them, and then just pull them out and rewarm, let them thaw out, and then just rewarm them really quick before serving time when you've taken the turkey out and you're letting it rest a little bit before you cut in it. And you can throw those rolls in just real quick in the oven, just enough to bring them back up to temp, but they've already been baked. So we are using the freezer. Obviously, we're utilizing that freezer space, but a lot of this just saves you so much time ahead of time. And like I said, you can double and triple a lot of your recipes and then it's sitting there ready for you to go even on busy nights just throughout the whole year. And maybe it's not on the holiday day, but you're already have got a lot of holiday projects going on. So it helps you with your cooking during the weeks as well. Now, if you want to get recipe links which I'm sure you do, to all of the stuff that I have been talking about that I do have up on the blog, which the pie crust is definitely up there. And I also have my grandma's pumpkin roll. So pumpkin roll is another really fun one. I've got a tutorial video with it as well as the printable recipe. If you haven't done, you might want to consider. And pumpkin rolls, that's the other one, freezes like a champ. I actually feel that like cookie dough and pumpkin rolls, believe it or not, I feel like the flavor is developed more when they are chilled and frozen. I think they're better. So I'll be making up the pumpkin roll and freezing it as well for Thanksgiving Day because I'm going to be so busy with the fundraising baking, I won't have time to do it. So I'll be making that up next weekend. 
and freezing it so that we've got that for Thanksgiving Day. So any of those recipes, go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 215 because it's episode 215 right now. And I will have links that will take you to all of all of those so that you can go and snag them. And if you have my book handmade, then you've got these written recipes and tutorials already is inside that book. So just go and pull it out. And if you don't have it and you would like to have all of these, plus there's a hundred recipes, there's over a hundred recipes within handmade that are old fashioned from scratch cooking, then I'll have a link so you can go and check out the book and grab a copy of that as well. Okay, guys, there were so many tips that I had to put them in here, but I will be back here with you on Friday for episode 216, as promised, where we get back to our beef cuts that you need to know when you are butchering or if you're buying a beef from someone else and the cut you need to know to tell the butcher. Thank you so much. And I will see you in a couple days. Mm-hmm.